Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you here. We appreciate so much of being with us. We've got a number of visitors with us today. We want to make a special point to welcome you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Glad to have you from Vegas. Bruce is somewhere in the house. He was in class. I don't know where Bruce is at, but he was somewhere. We got some other folks visiting, so we're thrilled that you're here. Does anybody in the audience own the motorhome with the stuff from... Does anybody own that? Perfect. I love it. Where are we going? That's close enough. It doesn't matter who it belongs to. You, you know... That is way cool, man. I love it. I want to go with him. That's what I want to do. I want to go with him. Lynn, you take care of the bills. No? I'm not going? Tell your cousin I got to take a rain check. All right. Hey, we're, we're thrilled you're here. This morning, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about being ambassadors for Christ. Simple concept, yes? Yes. Who said yes? Perfect. I'm glad you get it. When we finish, help me understand this better. Okay. We're going to talk about being an ambassador. So what does it really mean to be an ambassador? That, that's the $100 question. What is an ambassador? When I hear the word ambassador, my mind immediately goes to government. I mean, that's just, that's just what I go to because generally the only people in our culture today that carry the title of ambassador are working for the government, right? I mean, we're, we're working for the government, and we're an ambassador to Israel. We're an ambassador to Russia. We're an ambassador to Jamaica. Ambassador, my preference would be ambassador to Belize or Costa Rica. I just like those places because they sound cool, and the weather's nice, and it's beautiful, and it's tropical. And I have friends that have been there, and they say it's absolutely gorgeous. Someday, I'll make it. But being an ambassador is an important responsibility. Why is it an important responsibility, may I ask? Well, the simple answer is this. It's because you are representing the country for whom you are an ambassador. And you are the spokesperson for, that, for your country wherever it is that you are. So if I'm the ambassador from the United States for Belize or Costa Rica, I'm going to say things, generally speaking, that have only been given to me to say and directed by my government, right? If I'm the ambassador to one of those countries outside the United States, and I'm an ambassador for our grand United States of America, and, and the State Department has told me, Ed, we need you to say X. I better be saying X, because if I just make up my own stories, guess what happens? They will fire me, and I won't be an ambassador very long. Now, the amazing thing about being an ambassador for God is he won't just fire you, okay? He's not going to do that to you. But you need to realize that when you're an ambassador for Christ, when you're an ambassador for God, we need to be speaking the things that are of God. And we need to be representing him. You know, we are citizens of another kingdom. You realize that, right? I almost started to get uh, Brandon to lead the song, This World is Not My Home, I'm Just a Passing Through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond me. You know that song, right? This world is not my home. Now, I happen to live here, and I would love to go with your cousin on the trip to wherever it is he's racing next, because that would just be way cool, especially if he let me drive one of the... I'm going to call it four-wheelers. I don't know what's on the back of that trailer, but it's cool. I would love to go somewhere like that and be a part of that, but i, I got to tell you, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And I know they're expecting me because my dad's there and my grandparents are there and i got great-grandparents are there and i got uncles that are there. i got a lot of folks that are there that are waiting on me. I've got friends dear friends from the church whose funerals I've preached 
And they're expecting me someday. And they're anxiously awaiting me. Mitch, old fellow from the church in Alpharetta, he passed away, had congestive heart failure. He was from Bluefield, West Virginia. Any of you ever heard of that? Beautiful little hill country, coal mining country. Grew up in, working in the coal mines. We took him back there after he passed away, and we buried him. And his, literally, they didn't, I don't know if they picked it out on purpose, but it just so happened that his grave was facing the rising sun. And every morning when the sun came up, Mitch is looking at the sun rising. It was beautiful. Mitch is expecting me. Because he and I drank a lot of coffee and we talked a lot when he was alive and he's expecting me to continue that relationship when we get there. I'm an ambassador of Christ, but this world is not my home. And so I need to be speaking about kingdom things. I need to be representing the kingdom for whom and, and, and in which I'm a citizen. I've been to Mexico a few times. And every time I go to Mexico, I'm reminded again, I'm not a citizen of Mexico. I'm a citizen of the United States when it comes to the little green passport booklet that I carry. And I know that's the case because they speak a way different language. They have different laws, regulations. There's a lot of things that are different down there. And I can't just do what I want to do. Because when you do what you want to do, sometimes things happen. And you get to pay the cost of things happening. You and I are ambassadors for God and the kingdom of God. So what should our message be, and why should we have a message? Some of the greatest opportunities in the world are often disguised as small acts of service. I'm telling you guys, you and I may not know until we get to heaven the impact that we have had on someone's life by doing the smallest act of service. I remember when Lynn was working in the school system in Gwinnett County back in Georgia. Our kids were in elementary school, and they came out with this uh, new program for the school. It was called Random Acts of Kindness. And some of you may have participated in a program like that. Your kids did in your schools or something like that. But they started this little program, and the kids were instructed to do random acts of kindness for other people. And they would go around doing fun things, doing nice things. And I want you to realize that when you and I are living in the kingdom of God, when we are ambassadors for Christ, there are going to be small little opportunities where we can do random acts of kindness for people. And we will never know sometimes until we truly are on the other side of the Jordan when we crossed over and we're dead and we're waiting on the job. When we have the judgment and we stand there and we remember and we reflect, they'll come up to you and say, do you remember when... And you may not even remember, but they do. And the smallest things may have the greatest impact. I don't know where this is going to lead. I don't have the magic crystal ball to see what's in the future. But a couple of months ago, I'm walking down the dock at the marina where our boat is at. And a guy who lives in the marina is across from us. He comes up, he's coming off of his boat, and he looks a little distraught. And I said, Gordon, how you doing? He's like, Ed. He said, I'm not doing good at all. I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, they lost my money order. And I got a notice that they're going to evict me from the marina if I don't get my slip fee paid. Just FYI, if you ever run a boat and put in a slip, there's not a lot of variance on not paying the slip fee. It's 
not like 90 days and they foreclose and it takes six months to foreclose. It's nothing like that. It's like if you don't pay, they can put you out pretty quick. And he was freaking out. He didn't know what to do. He said, I got to come up with some money. And I said, well, how much do you need? And he said, and I just pulled it out of my pocket. And I usually don't carry that much cash. I don't carry much cash with me. But on that day, I had about $1,400. Because that afternoon or the next morning, I forget which it was, I was leaving to go to Mexico. And I needed some money to take to Mexico to do some things with. And so I just pulled out some money. I said, well, here, Gordon. I said, go take care of it. And he almost started crying. And I went to the bank, replaced the money I gave him, went to Mexico. But the relationship that we are having and the conversations we're now having, he showed up at my boat yesterday. Kind of unannounced. Knocked on the boat. I said, hey, Gordon, what's up? He said, I just want to chat. So he came inside at 5.30. He left at 9. After we had visited for all that time, and I'd grilled chicken, and we had kale salad and chicken for dinner. This man grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. He's not Mormon. He was a Lutheran. He hasn't been to church since he was in middle school. And he made this comment to me, to Lynn. He said, you know, he said, I think I'm going to go to church with you. He said, I haven't been to church in 70 years because he's that old. I don't know where circumstances will pop up in your life. I don't know when things are going to present the opportunity that you will have that are disguised as some small act of service that you'll be able to do something for somebody and all of a sudden it will lead you into a conversation and them into a conversation that will allow them to come to church or to find God. I don't know when that happens, but I want you to realize that as ambassadors of Christ, as ambassadors for the kingdom of God, there are all kinds of opportunities all around us. We just have to have our eyes open to the opportunities and realize that God is trying to reach every single person that you see today. He is trying to reach every one of them. The Bible says God, the desire of God's heart, is that he is not willing that any should perish, but what? That all should come to repentance, to have salvation but they can't get there unless somebody sometimes somehow shares with them a little experience. You got to remember Jesus. He didn't quote a lot of scripture, but he met a lot of people. And he shared a lot of meals. And he was just available. And I want you and I to be available because if we'll just be available, I'm telling you guys, amazing things will happen in our lives. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13 to 14, if we're out of our mind, as some say it is for God, if we're in our right mind, it is for you, for Christ's love compels us. So what is it that compels you to do what you do? 
many of us in this room have had specific occupations and vocations in our lifetime. Maybe you were a doctor. Maybe you were a salesman. Maybe you were a chaplain. Maybe you were, I don't know what you were. Maybe you were a school teacher. Maybe you were, maybe you were a homemaker and you stayed home with the kids all of, your, all of your adult life. Whatever it was that was your vocation, there was something that probably compelled you to go into that particular line of work. And there's something that has kind of kept you in that line of work, that motivates you, that causes you to want to get up day after day after day to go back and do the same thing that you've been doing for the last however many years you've been doing it. There's something that compels us. So here's my question for you. As we think about opportunities that arise around us, is Christ compelling you to see those opportunities that are around you? Because it is Christ. It's his love that compels us to go out and be out of our minds. Because it is a little weird to hand somebody that you barely know several hundred bucks. That's a little weird. And that's a little out of your mind. But God put the money in my pocket. And it was available. And I needed to do it. Because it was the opportunity that presented itself. Guys, all I want you to see is that Jesus is trying to get us to live in the world. Not be of the world, but he's trying to get us to be in the world. He's trying to get us to be a part of the world. And the only way we can do that is to truly be in the lives of people on a regular basis. Every Sunday morning when I come in here to this auditorium and when I teach the class in the other room over there, one of the questions that I often ask is, where did God show up this week? And i got to be honest with you, it blows my mind that we have to sit there and think for a long, long time, where did God show up? I'm wondering, what have we done? What have we been doing all week? Because I believe with all of my heart that if Christ's love compels us, as the scripture says, that we should be openly engaged and actively seeking out those opportunities to help somebody else. And not to hand them a bunch of money, but to be in their lives. Because it's only when we're in their lives that we have the opportunity to allow God to use us to bring them to a better understanding of what the scripture says. So you can't read the, this thing very well, but there are three circles here and inside the circles it says Christ, community, and cause. So really how compelled are you to take Christ into the community? Last week we talked about how that God had blessed us with all the things that he blesses us with. And he's given us this great abundance of wealth, this great abundance of, of prosperity in this, in this community in which we live. And he's given us all of these things so that we can take it into the community and use it in such a way that we can bless the lives of other people. Not to give them money, not to give them stuff, but to give them Jesus. Who was it? Peter and John walking into the temple one day and this guy asked for something and, and Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold, have I none? That's the King James translation. <laughs> silver and gold, have I none? But what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus, be healed. And he stood up. Now I got to admit, I told you last week, I don't speak in Spanish. Not too many Spanish speaking folks here in the service today. They're in the Spanish congregation assembly this morning, so I don't have to speak Spanish for you, but I don't speak in other languages. I don't have the gift of healing. I can't walk up to somebody who's lame and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, and they get up and walk and jump around like people in the New Testament did. I don't have that gift yet. Maybe someday. I don't know. 
God can do what he needs to do with that. But I know this. What I have, I can give. And what I have is a message of Jesus. And what I have is a heart for helping people. And I want all of us in this church to be engaged in opportunities that are all around us to take Christ into the community and have a real purpose and cause for living our lives. Verse 15 of chapter 5 says, He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, it's not about our lives. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about living for Christ. That's what our lives should be about. It's about living for Jesus. So when you get up in the morning at 5.30 or 6 o'clock and you begin to prepare to go to work and you shower and shave or you shower and put on your beautiful makeup and make yourself gorgeous so you can go into the office and do whatever you do, I want you to think about this as you're doing all of those things to get ready. How is Christ going to use me today? Because today I'm not working for the boss that's paying me a wage. I'm working for the big boss who lives in the big house way up in heaven. And how can I use this day to bring honor and glory to his name? How can I use this day to advance the cause of Christ? Because Christ's love is what compels me to go to work today. Or go to school. Nate, you going to school tomorrow? You hope. Are you wishing and hoping for a snowstorm or something so you don't have to go? Is that way? You live in the wrong state for that, brother. You're going to go to school tomorrow. And you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to grab your stuff, you're going to grab your lunch or your lunch money, whatever it is, however that works in your world, and you're going to go to school. And so the question is, when you're in school tomorrow, I'm not picking on you, I'm talking to everybody that gets to go to school tomorrow, even teachers, even teachers that get to go to school tomorrow, think about why you're there. It's not just to learn something. That would be nice if you did, trust me. But it's not just to learn something. There are other people at that school who need to know who Jesus is. Some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them will, some of them won't. So what? It's my job, it's your job, it's our responsibility to, lay, to take the love of Jesus where we go. Allow his love to compel us so that wherever we go, whatever we do, however we go, whatever we do, in the name of Jesus, we do. That's taking our lives seriously and being ambassadors for Christ. So whoever says, I know him, but doesn't do what he's commanded is a liar, and the truth isn't in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in God must live as Jesus did. First John chapter four, verses two, or chapter two, verse four to six. So <clears throat> if we're gonna live the way that God wants us to live, we need to live like what? Uh, Jesus. Good luck with that. Because some days that's harder than others, isn't it? Let's just be honest. Some days it's not that easy. But I want you to realize that it is what God has called us to do. He's truly called us to not live for us, not live for ourselves, but to live for God, to live for Christ, and live just like Jesus so that the love that compels us will be the message that we take into the community around us. And then, for whom are you living? Now, you may not be able to read the text of that little cookie monster, but it says, today me live in the moment, unless it's unpleasant, in which case me will eat a cookie. <laughs> I gotta be honest, when I saw that, I thought it was the cutest thing in the world, and I get it. Sometimes that is what life is like. Sometimes it's just too hard. 
and you just want to just eat a cookie. But God hasn't called us to just eat cookies. He's called us to live even in those unpleasant times that are challenging and difficult. And he's called, he's called us to be a light that shines in the darkest of darkest places. And I don't know where that is in your world, but he's called us to be that light. I remember years and years ago, Lynn and I, we were in college. We went to Nashville, Tennessee to visit her brother who was a student at Lipscomb at the time. And it was a weekend deal and we went and uh, it was, there was a big outing with a bunch of college kids, and we went to some cave. I don't even know what cave it was, but we went to some cave. And you know, when you have college kids and you go into a cave, first thing that happens is what? Uh, the lights go out. Because that's just what you do when you're in college. They just turn off the lights. And then back in the day, there was this youth song, um, Light the Fire in My Soul or something like that. And somebody brilliantly planned this event for the college kids that were there. And someone had one candle. And they'd given a bunch of other people candles. And they lit one candle. That's a big cave. It's not small. It's a very, very large cave. But I remember distinctly how much light one candle put out in this cave. And then they passed the candle to another person and they lit another candle and forts all over there, 25 or 30 or 40 candles and it's like daytime. And you can see anything. We live in a dark world. I think we all know that. And I'm not sure the world is getting any lighter because of the influence of the world. But you and I have an amazing opportunity to walk into the darkest of places and be the light of Christ. And it may be that simple opportunity that seems so insignificant to us, but it could be that one candle that's lit in a person's life that causes them to begin to see the light of Jesus. And then we get to fan that flame. And it grows into a raging fire. And it lights up everything and it changes their whole life. I just invite you on that journey. From now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view. You see, I shared last week, I'll share it again this week, we live in a spiritual world. And when I look at people, I don't look at them as who they are in this world. There's some, there's some real pieces of work out there, man. There are. There's some people just like, seriously? You, you're going to do that or you live that way? Or you, there's some real challenges out there. But we can't look at people like that. We have to look at people for what they really are. They're the child of God. God created us all, in a sense, through Adam and Eve. It's only one bloodline. You do know that, right? It's only one. If you go back far enough, we're all cousins. Somewhere, we're all cousins. But I want you to realize that when we see people, we have to see them the way that God sees them because he doesn't see them as just some wild-haired, crazy person going off doing crazy stuff, living their own life, getting drunk, doing all the stuff that people do. That's not how God sees them. He sees them as his creation, and he wants to have relationship with them. 
He wants to have a relationship with them, and he wants to restore that relationship with them. That's what this whole thing of reconciliation is all about. And our ambassadorship is the process of helping to restore that friendly relationship that God wants to have with all of his creation, which is all of us and all of those that we'll see this week and next week and next month and throughout the rest of this year. That is God's desire. But if we don't see people for who they truly are and for what God wants them to be, we miss the opportunities because we see them for what the world says that they are. I'm not who you say that I am. Your opinion of me doesn't make me anything. The only opinion of me that matters is God's opinion of me. And guess what he thought about me? He thought about me so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for me. So I don't really care what you think about me from a worldly point of view. But I care a lot about what God thinks about me from a spiritual point of view. And so we need to see people from a spiritual perspective. The darkest of people need to be seen from a spiritual perspective because there is a little bit inside of them that is still goodness. And God wants that to come out. We live in a spiritual world. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Guys, it is truly a spiritual world. It's not just a place where you go to work. It's not just a place where you go to school. It's not just a place where you go to play golf. It's not just a place where you go shopping to buy groceries or shoes or socks or clothes. It's not just a place to go have a hike. It is a spiritual world. We need to see people from that perspective. We are the message of reconciliation. He, God, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Can you imagine? Can you begin to imagine what it would be like this morning if Jesus stood right here and preached a sermon? Can you imagine how great that would be? It scared me to death. Just telling you straight up. Because usually when Jesus showed up or the angels showed up, there were some people that were kind of afraid for stuff, you know? I would be a little, little freaked out if Jesus showed up here. But I want you to realize something. He is here. In a spiritual sense, he is here. And guess who he's speaking through right now? The Word of God. And through what I'm saying, I hope and pray. I hope just a little bit of Jesus is coming through this message because that's the intent of this. And when you go out into the world, whatever it is that you say, whether you use a verse of scripture or whether you're just building a relationship with somebody, you and I have a responsibility to help restore them and to bring them into a point of reconciliation with God. We are his ambassadors. That's what we've been called to do. So what do you want to do with all this? Years ago, Lynn and I were in college at Harding, and I don't remember all the details, but there was a gentleman that was a part of a small group that we participated in from the college church. And he was a, the head of some big engineering manufacturing consortium that was based in Searcy, and they were opening a new plant, and they were looking for people to come work for them. And I was in my last semester of college in the summer of 81. It's not very long ago, is it, Mark? It's not very long ago at all. And he wanted me to come to work for him because he and I hit it off and he thought I would do great in his company. And, and I went and I took the, the, the pre-employment test. They wanted to know if I could do basic math. 
That's a trick. It's a trick. I actually passed the test, man. I don't know how, but I passed that test. And he's like, Ed, you scored great on that test. He said, you should come work with us. I'm like, what do I have to do? He told me, I get to learn how to use these calculators. What, what, they used to be about this long. They had stuff that slid on them, they were slide rules. Some of you know what that is. You know what I'm talking about. I was gonna have to learn how to use it. I'm like, dude, I'm not using that. Are you kidding me? I'm not gonna use a slide rule. And he told me a little bit more about the job, and I'm like, no, I ain't doing that. There are some jobs I don't want to do. I just don't want to do it. You don't want me engineering anything. You just don't want me engineering. You definitely don't want me doing plumbing, and that's a whole other story for another day. You don't want me doing plumbing, and your toilets especially. But I'm just saying, guys, there are some jobs we don't want to do. But this is one that God has called us all to do. He's called us all to be an ambassador and all of us, however great our abilities may be in our own minds or however small our abilities may be in our own minds, God has placed you where you are to do exactly what he needs you to do right now. And he knows well enough about you and what's going on in your life that he's gonna put you in exactly the place that he needs you to be to accomplish exactly what he needs to be accomplished right now. But in order for that to happen, you and I have to be willing to walk into the opportunity. And we have to be willing to be ambassadors. And we have to be willing to participate in this process of reconciling and restoring the friendship and the relationship that people need to have with God. That is the desire of his heart. That's his desire of his heart for us. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors in a world. And it is if God himself is speaking through you and me to accomplish what his will, his good and perfect will should be. We're going to sing this song about sing to me of heaven. The reason we're singing this song is because if the conversations go right and if the opportunities present themselves and we're able to shed a little light in the world, guess what people end up doing? Accepting Christ. It's an amazing thing. But when you spend a little bit of time with folk and they begin to see who you are and what you're all about, what you really are all about, they know that you're about Jesus. And the relationship leads them right to the cross. And when they see Jesus, when they truly see him, one of two things will happen. They will either fiercely accept him or they will fiercely reject him. And neither of those decisions are yours and mine to make for anyone. It is theirs to make for themselves. God, have mercy on us all as we go out into this world and this community to bring people to understand Jesus. May we seek him as we go to heaven. Let's stand and sing and encourage one another with a song. Sing to me of heaven, sing that song of peace from the door.